Driven Mind Season 2. This is Franz Bowen. This is Trav Weeks. Got an ill guest. I say this every week, but we have a really dope mm-hmm. guest. And it's not our fault that all our guests are dynamic and fire. <laughs> exactly. You know I and love we, it. We exactly. have a, a, another titan in the building today. Uh, founder of Wall Street Paper. Uh, co-founder of Harlem Capital. Mm-hmm. Um, entrepreneur. Uh, social media brand consultant and investor. There you go. Style yes, influencer. What's you know good? His yeah. shoes is flying right now, actually. Yo, That's how you Shout know. out to Greats in Brooklyn. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> Word. Uh, plug that. <laughs> you know, exactly. uh, without any further ado, Mr. Brandon Bryant. Yo, yes, what's sir. good? Thank you guys for having me on. Um, I'm getting my, my podcast jitters out <laughs> and uh, I'm just ready. Word there you up. go. There you go. Yeah, man. So I just want to start. Um, I met Brandon probably maybe like a year. I think I met you were on a panel or whatnot, man. Yeah. Um, I think you were on a panel with my man Anthony Frazier. Of course. On that that time Big too. Big He's the truth. Yeah, he is. Oh, he is. And um, I think we connected there, and just some time has passed, and uh, I'll see you in, in certain spots, and then I got a chance to check out your social media, and I was like, damn. This guy, whatever. <laughs> On whatever. the low, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a quiet mover. Right? Yeah, I'm like, whatever he's doing, <laughs> I, I need to find out the recipe Word. so I can do the, you know what I mean? But Brandon um, has definitely leveraged the um, social media landscape, the um, branding landscape to find his own, his own place in that world and actually build it up to be competing with a lot of the, the major players and... Um, his story is very interesting. So, Brandon, just tell us, you know, start off telling us where you're from and, you know, um, how did you get started or what was your original goals and, and how it transitioned? I got you. I got you. So, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. I went okay. to the Ohio State University, mm, study. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Go go. Uh, study economics there. And then uh, I took my talents to New York. I was an investment banker at. Bank of America, right here, 42nd and 6th. I was doing that for about three years. And while I was doing that, I was looking for an outlet. So I was hooping, I was going to church, but I just needed, had an itch for something else. And so I wanted to start talking about menswear at a very high level. And I did some research in the market, and I seen that there wasn't anyone talking to an upperly mobile uh, millennial Mm -hmm. who was making some coins and telling them what they should uh, wear on their feet, what they should wear over their back, where they mm. should travel to, what they should drink, all those type of things. And so I just flipped the bill. I was like, I'm going to buy these things. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to articulate it. And I'm going to shoot the most crisp content I can. Mm. Um, and that's how I started. It took me about four or five months to get through shooting. Mm. Um, and then we got it right. We, we launched it January 19th, 2015. Martin really? Luther King wow. Day, mm. and uh, within two months, GQ picked it up. Uh, within three months, I was in the magazine, and within 12 months, I quit my job on Wall Street. Wow. And uh, it's been off to the races for Wall Street paper since then, working with companies, GQ, Amazon, Hugo Boss, South by Southwest, like Amazing. flying around the world handling my business uh but also at the same same time in in uh, december 15 when i quit to pursue wall street paper i co-founded harlem capital partners with a few colleagues uptown uh, it's an angel syndicate where we invest 50 percent of our capital into diverse founders people of color and women and we are on a hell-bent mission to change the face of entrepreneurship 
by investing in 1,000 diverse founders over the next 20 years. So that means we're raising money and we're putting it back into our communities because we think in 20 to 30 years, uh, the majority will be people of color and women. So that's, that's ready. That's fucking amazing. I'm gonna be <laughs> the first to curse on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, what I do want to talk about, which is interesting, like um, what you said, how you did start in the corporate world. Yes. And I do have a corporate background too. So I want you to talk about like that mm-hmm. feeling of, you know, you incorporate, you're making money, but yet. Yeah. There's a still a void. You're doing investment banking. Yes, That's hours, but they hours. They definitely <laughs> do compensate. Yeah. Right? So uh, I, I'll, I'll keep it real. You know, when I came out of, I did two internships. So I was in New York sophomore year at J.P. Morgan and junior year out in L.A. at Wells Fargo. So I I had made some coin already, mm-hmm. and then when I went full time, uh, I looked at an article just this week about Business Insider and like how you can be in the one percent. And what you need to make at what age? I was in the I was in the one percent was quotation marks. Nice. <laughs> I was in the in the one percent for my first four years in New York. Wow! And you know I still needed something else, mm-hmm. and it was just this creative outlet. When I was in uh, undergrad, I ran a suit store, a custom suit store, and I it was right when Instagram dropped, and I took a picture of my outfit every day. And so that was a start, like wearing a new outfit every day, putting it out. And so since I put it out, I can't wear it no more. Right. right? right. So now I need to get creative. Mm. I need to figure things out. Mm. I got a few coins in my pocket. Now I need to figure out and do my research on what to buy. So that's how that started. Uh, But to get back to the corporate corporate world, um, I was just interested in meeting people who I would see on TV or dreamed about. The people who went to Harvard, the people who went to Yale, the people who went to Stanford, graduated valedictorian, and the people whose parents ran the world, whose parents was a CEO, CMO, had trust funds, had land. And I wanted to see what they were doing and make sure that I was starting to do that. I was starting to rub elbows. I was starting to travel those places. I was starting to talk that jargon. So that was my entire focus of being in the corporate world. And then lastly, just learning of how to um, do a task the right way Mm. and and be efficient and to have like a steep learning curve. So that's my corporate experience. Um, And then I just learned to have a little bit of swagger, a little bit of... uh, uh, unique, I guess, approach in terms of just like being from a single parent background, being from not a great neighborhood in, in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I was just putting my little opinion and, and swag on things, and people were really gravitating towards it. Got it. Would you suggest that for an entrepreneur to start with something steady first, or start with, before they get into something creative? Start with something in a, a more structured um, atmosphere and then break out, so they have like a you know a, a foundation before they break out. Or would you suggest go straight in, or is it you know? Well, you know it, it's you know different folks, different strokes. But I would say if you're the the typical person who is the first in your family to go to college, I would take very um, advantage of college and I would go to office hours, I would talk to professors, I would do all those things, I would get jobs, I would go and be a president of an organization and then I would take all those skills to corporate America and come in with a very clear plan of how you want this to end up. Mm -hmm. If it's a two year rotational program, what do you want these two years to look like as soon as you finish up? Because once you do that, 
you would be probably elevated into a full-time role where it's like a managerial situation. You can get stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, that money might be too good. You might have a, a young lady or whatever significant other mm-hmm. and you want to settle down and you're, you got responsibilities. Right, right. But if you really want to hustle, you come in with that mindset like, all right, rotational program. I want to rotate in marketing. I want to rotate in strategy. I want to rotate in the financial department. And then I'm going to start my side hustle from these, all these understandings and from all these individuals who I'm meeting. Got it. Um, and if you're in a place like New York, you need to be having a coffee chat two, three, maybe four times a week, not Hell. only inside of Hell your organization, yeah. but outside. Absolutely. And then use that alumni community, man. Like Ohio State, when I graduated, it, we graduated 10 plus thousand people. Wow. My year. Damn. So, and now they're graduating way more. But for me to not take advantage of the people who are my age in the city and, and the people who went to my alma mater, it is just silly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Nice. So, can you walk me through or walk us through rather in the listeners um, you know, Wall Street paper? Like what what was the what was the the passion or the niche that you saw that wasn't being met? Mm. And how did that, you know, translate over to all right. I mean, obviously you get attention from magazines and stuff and right. you, you could do it, but mm-hmm. what was it in you that was like, all right, I'm gonna leave my job? Cuz that's 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 you know a good I mean? point right there. That's a great point. So I grew up a sneakerhead. Mm. Uh, in the eighth grade, my mother told me if I did well in school and I didn't get in trouble, she'll buy me anything I want. That's all you need to hear. That's for, all. For I, I looked at her. I looked at her. I was like, this look, this lady's crazy. She, she about to go broke. Exactly. She about to go broke. Uh, luckily, my mother did not go broke. Right, right. But also, luckily, I had every pair of J's. Mm, nice. From the eighth grade to senior year, I, I had shit. all the Nietzsche, yeah, Fat Farm, yeah. and I went to a Catholic school. <laughs> so your boy was like just stacking, <laughs> hoarding. I was just hoarding things. And uh, once I got to college, I became an eBay power seller. So oh, I started nice. selling all that stuff. Like mm. Hollister was hot, Abercrombie. Uh, what else was I selling? Like SBs, all these different type of Nikes. I was selling iPhones. I sold my saxophone. I was doing all these different things. So I always been interested in fashion and what it kind of equates to. Uh, and then I always think just like perception is reality. Mm. So if whatever you're wearing and the way that you walk and the places that you frequent is kind of like what, who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, your life is just a physical representation of what's going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. So in terms of Wall Street paper, I was just focused on being able to have this, uh, this amazing lifestyle where I could articulate the the difference between going to Aldo and buying some shoes for $99 or going to Allen Edmonds and buying shoes for 450 and why it's a good purchase and why Allen Edmonds has a recraft program and you can keep the Allen Edmonds for 20, 30, 40 years and why every president that's been alive in the last like 20 to 30 years has worn Allen Edmonds and mm. all these different type of things. So I, I just wanted to be able to get in the seat to be able to talk to the decision makers mm. and then tell their story to my community. Right. So that's how it initially started. And then my thought process is, I actually just shot a video on this, write an article on it. I, I broke it into three buckets. I broke it into, uh, I decided to explain it like the scientific method. Third grade, fourth grade, there's a hypothesis, there's an experiment, and then there's results. 
that's literally all you need to think about your life or your social media presence or your business. So the hypothesis, to have a hypothesis, you need to do research, you need to get the lay of the land, do diligence, competitor analysis, all that jazz. Once you do that, now you have a hypothesis of what you can do, what you're good at, um, and an opportunity to have this like baseline, mission statement, kind of values, what have you. Mm -hmm. And then you need to experiment it, right? So now that you have mission uh, and values and an offering, you need to go out there and see what the community thinks about it. Right. Once you get that feedback and once you start getting those reps and that routine, then you just iterate and change when you get those results. And usually if you think about the scientific method back in elementary school, when you get the results, you have to keep changing them and keep going up and down, up and down. And then you finally get to a conclusion where you say, all right, this is the secret sauce. Right. And once you get that secret sauce, in my opinion, in terms of social media, that starts to get people to come into your funnel. You can consider it a sales funnel. You can consider it an intention funnel. But that funnel starts with like awareness. It starts with engagement. Then it goes to understanding. Then it goes to like a trial period. And then it, it goes to purchase. And then if you're lucky and you're really good at what you do, it'll go to um, an advocate AKA someone who tells your story word of mouth, which is 20 to 30 times more powerful mm -hmm. than any other type of marketing. Sure. And what I call those people are your true fans. Mm -hmm. And if you guys want to, on the side, there's a really awesome article, really short, it's called 1,000 True Fans. Mm -hmm. And it talks about if you have 1,000 true fans and you can get $1,000, or $100, whatever out of them, then you have a business. Mm. And so if you can extract value out of those 1,000 or 300 or 10 true fans, you're on to something. And then that's exactly how you start a business, right? right? You, your first and early customers who really like what you're doing, you start digging and seeing what's sticky. You start iterating and pivoting. And then once you find that secret sauce, you raise some capital and you expand. You go from seed to series A, B, C, exit, and then maybe you do it again. You become an advisor. You know, you're living, you're chilling. You got an alley in New York or whatever, and you know, right. a few of them. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully that answered your question. That, that <laughs> answered several I questions. That, I, I love that one. Everybody's <laughs> question who's listening. Exactly. <laughs> Yo, but even even in that vein, all right. So you you have Wall Street paper. You're starting to get all of this. Um, positive attention yes. and you're saying to yourself you know what I don't want to invest other people's money anymore like on this corporate level I want to do what's true to me yep. and then you have an opportunity yes. that arises with um, Har you know Harlem uh, pardon me Harlem, Harlem you call it Harlem Capital Harlem ACP Capital. Harlem Capital Partners what have you well, what, what made you want to you know do that simultaneously. I mean, a lot of times when individuals mm. get an opportunity and, and they're, they they find something that they're really it's good true. at, you know, to to even entertain the thought of, you know, splitting your energy or, or mm -hmm. that, it's it's taxing. So what made you feel so confident in, in that business model? Wow, that was, I think it's idea and team okay. is what helps you really step away from something and kind of carve out some time. There's guys who help start Facebook who left Facebook mm. because they had these ideas that they just could not like 
their mind was always focused on it and they just had to leave. Mm -hmm. And it's Facebook, yo. Like I just tweeted the other day, if you put $1,000 into Bitcoin, it was, uh, it was like one, it was January 1st, 2011 when Bitcoin came out, you would have had $9 million wow. now. Nine million. If you just left one thousand dollars in there, That's which is, if you think about it, most people who have any type of money in a brokerage account, they probably start with five thousand, mm -hmm. maybe ten thousand. Mm -hmm. Yo, that's money to play with. Mm -hmm. One thousand. You just let it sit. Nine million dollars. But that's if you're going long, though. If you're, I tell you right now, if like you are in the market, <laughs> you need to be going long. In. Mm -hmm. The people like Warren Buffett and individuals like him, they put money, they say, hey, I have a million dollars. 50,000 of it, I'm playing long. Mm -hmm. The market has gone nothing but up for decades. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm good with a 6 to 8% recurring um, increase in $50,000. So... And that's just what you, if you had a million. But if you had $25,000, man, I could play a little bit, 1000 I played in Lending Club, one of those peer-to-peer -peer lending mm -hmm. uh, platforms. I played with $5,000 in there. So it's like literally if you had 1000 in Bitcoin, yo, you're, you could have been all right. You could have been all right. Uh, but in terms to answer your question, sorry about Harlem Capital Partners, it was all about the team and all about the idea. The team I had known, we did MLT together, Management Leadership for Tomorrow. Mm. Uh, it's a minority-focused program during undergrad. So we had known each other since sophomore year. Oh, wow. We all worked on Wall Street together as interns for our sophomore and junior years. We all went full-time in New York and lived in Harlem, hmm. blocks away from each other. So we had known each other since about 2011 already. All right, all right, nice. And we all had internship money saved, we all had Wall Street bonuses. And then eventually what happens in Wall Street, you usually do two and out. So you do two years, and then you go to private equity, hedge fund. Right. Maybe you go to a startup or you go to business school. Mm -hmm. So what happens is your community just like explodes after two or three years because everyone's somewhere else doing something else, but they're sharing the information. Mm -hmm. And so we had so many opportunities to invest in new startups, uh, to uh, invest in just people doing different type of uh, acquisitions or, or things of that nature. And we just continually just got these opportunities and we thought like, why don't we pull our money together? Mm -hmm. And so my business partner and roommate, Henri, he one day got an opportunity to invest in a FinTech company that was focused on investing in industrial hemp being traded on an exchange. So basically mm. playing medical marijuana being right. uh, legalized. Mm -hmm. And so he called his five closest friends, which is like a great quote. You are the average of your five closest friends. Right. And he said, would you be willing to put in 5000 on this? Right. He raised $25,000 in 30 minutes. Mm. And then we thought about like, this could be a thing. And then fast forward, we looked at about 200 plus companies. We've invested in five. We're working on our six right now. Nice. And we really have been focusing on seeing more people who look like us mm -hmm. and helping them, whether it's monetarily or non-monetarily. We just want these individuals to get ahead. Yeah. And then now what the, the latest is doing out of um, Harlem Capital Partners, 
as an angel fund of our own money, we have six figures of our own money invested in these companies. Mm-hmm. We're running it as a thesis at Harvard Business School come this fall. Oh, nice. And the thesis is, can you invest in diverse entrepreneurs and what is it that you have to do? Because right. the current venture capital model is venture capitalists kind of carve out these uh, market maps. So uh, delivery, food delivery, it can be esports, it can be VR, it can be healthcare. And then they look at these maps they, and they track 100 to 150 companies. And then they look at who's growing and who's not raising. Because the people who are growing their business by two or three times in terms of employees mm-hmm. and they're not raising money, then that means they're making that means a they're shit making ton money. of money. Hell yeah. So that means that we need to reach out to those people and make them our partners. Right. Mm-hmm. And those people are usually the people who have those resources to go fly all around the country and do that and build that proprietary type of software mm-hmm. have $250 million, $300, 500000000 million. And those people kind of create new companies because they'll introduce you to a CTO, they'll introduce you to right. a sales, head of product from the West Coast or from the East Coast to come work at your company. Mm-hmm. And then what they need for their, um, how do you call it, their lending partners or limited partners or LPs, their investors, all, each one of those companies that they invest in needs to be billion dollars. <laughs> for example, Tristan Walker mm-hmm. has raised $33 million and he has Andreessen Horowitz mm-hmm. behind him. Yeah. Andreessen Horowitz needs Walker & Co. to be a billion dollar company. Yeah. And Tristan is already having an uphill battle, and he's probably the most well-certified. The guy was one of the first employees at Twitter, mm-hmm. the first business development director at Foursquare, mm-hmm. was an entrepreneur in residence at um, Andreessen Horowitz, is the mentee, protege of Ben Horowitz, mm-hmm. and he's still having a tough time to right. be able to meet those qualifications of, if you invest in me, I had to be a billion-dollar company. Right, right, right. Thus, getting back to my thesis is, People of color and women, the um, investing model for people has to be different and articulated to a specific critique of maybe we should be only focused on these companies being 50, 100, 250 million dollar exits. And then you won't have to be uh, under the pressure of all these crazy, unrealistic um, yeah, I, you know what? I agree because every when we talk about you know the the black dollar or the dollar of color, we True. always talk about you, you. They throw up these numbers like, oh, they have the GP, the GDP, or <laughs> this nation, yep. and it's a mm-hmm. trillion dollars. But that's assuming that everybody participates, that has, right? Exactly. So, it, in that vein, could you talk a little bit about you know just um, could you talk about um, some of those those criterion uh, that. That you that you are that theorizing the, that the other oh that I'm theorizing yeah well maybe I'll talk about a little bit again like what people are talking about and how we need to be a little bit different right uh, so the two individuals who are from Harlem Capital Partners Henri and, and and Jared who are going to Harvard Business School who will be running the thesis with professors mm-hmm. they worked at a company called ICV Inner City Ventures Inner City Ventures again was in the 90s at hbs created as a thesis of can you bring a private equity shop that is invested in the inner city can you make the inner city appealing to investors Mm -hmm. what they found out was that even though this was incubated inside of a company called um, american holdings 
I believe it was American Holdings or American Securities, big company. And so they incubated ICV inside mm-hmm. of it. So they were fully funded. Yeah. And they found out that people of color did not want to give up equity in their companies. Interesting. So they pivoted and said, we're going to have a minority-owned private equity shop. That's it. And so now this is the second largest minority-owned private equity shop. They're raising about $750 million on this next fund. And they don't own any black companies. Wow. And this was started in the 90s. What we think is that that has shifted a little bit. Right, right, right. Uh, we think that there are individuals who are people of color and women who are interested in having the right help and the right uh, strategic investors mm-hmm. help them catapult their business. And in terms of theorizing things, we are seeing that people of color and women don't have those connections mm. that Andreessen Horowitz or right. I just came back from Ohio, Drive Capital is a $500 million fund in Columbus, Ohio, where I went Jeez. to school. Two former Sequoia investors. So they were at Sequoia Capital. Sequoia Capital created um, venture capital to what it is today. They create market maps. And they look at and track companies in a specific vertical, 150 for months, for years. And then they reach out to them and say, hey, it looks like you're doing well. We'll fly out to a plane. We'll come meet you. We tell you that we can give you anywhere between $1 million to $20 million. It doesn't really matter. And we'll meet with you every day on the phone or we'll meet with you once a week to help you build out your team, to get your CTO, to get your head of product, to get your head of marketing. And you know what? You probably don't know what those people look like. So we'll introduce you into mm-hmm. the stars of all our other portfolio companies. Mm-hmm. At the same rate, we're going to be in Silicon Valley once or twice a month, shaking hands and kissing babies with all the people who could potentially come and work on your product right. going forward. That is what we're trying to build right. in Harlem Capital Partners. I think That is how you build an Uber and how you build a Facebook and what have you because uh, I was listening to Jason... Uh, Calicanus, who's like a, one of the most historically outspoken angel investors, he said why you had to be in Silicon Valley. And he, he created this roadmap. He said it started off with like Microsoft and Intel and all these other guys. And then those people left and joined like Google and other companies. And then those people left and joined Facebook hmm. and other companies. And then those people left and joined Uber in Airbnb, right. you have people who have all built the same companies leaving to go to the next rocket ship. Uh, They're not kind of giving out any of that information. They're keeping it to themselves and keeping it to their core circle. Mm. Andreessen Horowitz, we just talked to the, a brother, his name is LJ, I believe, he's leading their seed fund. Mm-hmm. And 98% of their investments are Silicon Valley. Wow. Not even SF. Silicon Valley, 98%. That's crazy. So the idea shared there is that um, we don't care if it's outside. It's too far. And we want to keep this little cohesiveness. And what Drive Capital is doing out of Columbus, Ohio, is saying they're bringing that GDP thing. The Midwest is the fifth largest GDP. Hmm. The Midwest is the middle of America. People in the middle of America are... The companies there are solving problems mm-hmm. for those people. You have companies like 
limited brands was just like one of the biggest clothing brands. You have Abercrombie, you have Express, you have Hollister, you have Nationwide Insurance, you have Cardinal Health, you have like Cleveland Clinic right two hours away. You have all these really big companies headquartered out of Columbus or headquartered out of Chicago or out of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And they're building that same mentality out of the Midwest. And what I'm taking at from that is that we can do that same thing mm -hmm. with people of color and women. Because it's realistically, it doesn't we don't have to be at a geographic right, constraint. Right. We're just we have more people and more odds. If you think about it, there's so many people of color. There are so many women. Mm -hmm. We just need to make sure that we're tracking them the right way in terms of just like we're we're keeping in touch and we're making sure that we're doing the right introductions. And in terms of fundraising, we need to be able to follow with that dollar. Absolutely. Right. And, and I'll just say one thing. The dollar is not the most important thing. Uh, if once you give that 500000 or $2 million check, you still really have to scale that company and be mm -hmm. able to have those relationships to bring in the right people to help right. build it. And that's, that is an uphill battle. Yeah, right. Good. And, and that's another part that I wanted to get to. Mm -hmm. So even dealing with that, because a lot of people, they play it pretty close to the vest. Like, this is my idea. Mm -hmm. And I was the one that mortgaged my whatever to blah, blah. True. So how, how do you deal with, well, what are those conversations like, you know, when, when you have to make those, those hard suggestions or hard sales, rather? Well, honestly... It's been tougher lately, but we, we just show them examples. We just say, hey, like, here's, we, we don't say names or companies, but we say, hey, we've met two or three people who have been in the same position. Mm. And this is what the solution we gave to them. And these were the people we connected them with. And this is how they're doing now. And we may not even be invested in them. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, there was uh, some really cool guys I met at the Harlem uh, Tech Summit. And they were doing something that had to do with, uh, it was a basketball software and they were a little early little pre-product and so i thought for them like it may not be the best opportunity for harlem capital partner to invest into you right now mm -hmm. but i'm going to introduce you to one of my pals who happens to be the ad of global content at the nba mm -hmm. right so you never know where that can go like Absolutely. that just happened two weeks ago yeah. but being able to be able to Throw that out there right. as a uh, as an investor or as someone who can be seen as a, a counterpart who's mm. working with you. That individual is now going to bring me all the best deals mm. or refer people to me, and then I get to build my Rolodex, and then down the line I get to use that Rolodex of experts, of investors, or other venture capitalists to give to my network of diverse people. Mm. And it's going to take an uphill battle. Like it's going to take a lot of man work and power. Uh, and if you want me to, you about you, you want to ask me what it's going to take? <laughs> I'm going to jump right into it, man. Like it's going to take. So there's there's a few people who we look at. You got It's going to take a few high net worth individuals. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to take your Robert Smiths, you know, your billionaires. It's going to take uh, family offices and things of that nature. Then it's going to take people in the venture capital community who really open up the lay of the land. And those VCs are gonna be people who know how to do seed stage, growth stage, and later stage. They need to open up the doors right there. Then you also need the talent. The talent goes two ways. It goes with like the code 2040, in Which terms is? of just like undergrad talent, okay. um, Afrotech, 
mm-hmm. where you have people who like Afrotech is now kind of like the Forbes conference. Mm-hmm. So the Forbes 30 under 30 has only been around three years, mm-hmm. 650 the first year and then the tennis 1800 and then it was 6000. Mm-hmm. First year was just like, ah, what were you going to do? Second year, they created those tracks, tech and investing. They, they created nonprofit. They created what have you. Right. Afrotech is on the same route. And mm-hmm. Afrotech doesn't have any diversity on their panels. Mm-hmm. All black folk right. talking about success. No diversity talk. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a big one there. And then you have the corporates. Key example here, you have, oh, you guys have Porter on, right? So what? Uh, you guys have Porter from... Uh, Porter Broswell on. Not yet. Mm, no, not yet. Oh, you guys haven't had him on yet. We, oh, we would appreciate that plug, though. Um, <laughs> potentially. No, no worries. Um, we are just getting connected with those guys. But okay. for example, Porter was at Goldman Sachs, right? Okay. Mm. He's seen that there wasn't a lot of people of color in the industry. So he went and solved the problem that was happening at his own company. That is what everyone's doing, mm. okay. whether they're people of color or not. They are working at a company and they are seeing uh, opportunity to solve a problem that's happening in their daily life, most likely at their company. Mm-hmm. And so Porter starts Jobwell. Now Jobwell, like Goldman Sachs, is a client of Jobwell. And now he's holding fireside chats with the head of recruiting mm-hmm. and talent yeah. at Goldman Sachs for Jobwell. Yeah. So what I'm saying is we need to know these extremely talented I guess um, elderly folks who are who are veterans who may be a chief diversity officer or they just may have worked at Bank of America or Goldman Sachs for the last 20 years, they need to keep their eyes out on the top talent, period. Mm-hmm. And then if that top talent continues to go, they can be an expert that we can reach out to and they can help our companies grow Absolutely. or they could potentially leave when they're ready to leave and work inside of one of our startups, our portfolio companies and use all their bandwidth and their knowledge and their experiences to build or lastly where their first call in terms of Harlem Capital Partners mm. or a diverse fund where their first call when they leave to start a business right. where their first call we help connect them with like I said seed growth late stage we help connect them with experts we help connect them with talent we bring them out to Afrotech all these different things right. and so that's our secret sauce but Everyone should honestly be trying to do it, and mm-hmm. it takes a team. There are solo GPs at a lot of these diversity funds, and I think it may be an uphill battle when it's only one person. Mm-hmm. We have six people. We have a flood of individuals who are reaching out to do work for us for free in terms of just like being analysts and helping out. So I am huge on building out that network. And then on the flip side, you have two guys who are going to be at Harvard building that, that brand, that business, that platform, mm-hmm. having history, not history, but like professors and historians checking out these things. You have John Henry and myself who will be the faces, the marketing, mm-hmm. um, the, the bravado, I guess, putting out. And then we have two other gentlemen who are uh, more on the legal and research and a little bit of the operational side. And so we have a team that's building out and you have everyone who's just, we have hundred plus thousand dollars in the game. We wanna change what's going on um, and we don't care. We do care about returns, but we're more focused on the returns being changing 
just the demographics and what things look like mm-hmm. in terms of entrepreneurs. And the last point I would say is if Mark Zuckerberg, if Steve Jobs, if Elon Musk happened to be a person of color or a woman, there will be a lot of different people who are starting businesses, who are working in tech, who are going to Silicon Valley, who are solving problems in our world. There will be a lot more influx, especially at the elementary, middle school, high school level, even collegial mm-hmm. level. And so we need to change the face of what those people look like and have these more, uh, more Porters and more Morgans and more Tristans right. to really be able to push right. and push. And so it's, it's a circle and you can't have any breaks yeah. in that circle just to have a chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is just to have a chance. Yeah. So let me know what y'all think about that one. <laughs> I think it's, I, I think it's fire, man, because it's, it's awesome that you don't have to be stuck in your, your field or what have you where you can grow and go off right. and do it on your own. But even to what you were saying, I want to ask you a question. If you had to put a dollar amount mm. on your relationships... Yes. In in your priceless. mind, like what what? Well, yeah, priceless. Yo, but like, I was you, literally gonna say, check this out, priceless. But if you had to, like, you know, like assess, like, uh, because that's that relationship capital is huge. Like somebody can, like, for somebody like you who left um, yeah. the corporate world and you had to figure this out on your own. True. Like you're cutting the time in half. But uh, so let definitely me humor let, me though. Let, what, what do I'll you think humor you. Uh, Travis Wright <laughs> is is for sure. But if I were to tell you, I think it's just um, it's oxygen. If I can even go further mm. than than Good priceless, answer. I had a mentor who told me, which I didn't believe. She said, Brandon, and this is from Management Leadership for Tomorrow. So any other younger folks, if you're in college, please get in every single minority program that you can because. That network that you have, like I can travel anywhere right now and I can have a place to crash mm-hmm. or I can have an intro uh, at Google, at Facebook, in the entertainment industry and literally be in there like that just because of my network, just from these minority programs. But to get back to what my mentor said, she says, Brandon, if you are really good at something that you enjoy doing and you make sure that you continually articulate how you're doing it and you keep people in the loop. Mm-hmm. Closed mouth doesn't get fed. Hashtag. Mm. Then people will start coming to you with opportunities. And you'll never have to interview for a job ever again. Mm. And she told me her last six to seven opportunities. Someone will call her. I have the perfect job for you. I have the perfect job for you. Hey, I was doing this. Do you want to be involved? Right. And I didn't believe her at the time. I was like... I'm going to be one of the top black investment bankers ever and eventually manage money of famous people and, you know, close a wealth gap that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hindsight 2020, she was right. My last few careers that I've been doing have all been from people coming to me and saying, hey, would you be interested? Hey, I have the right idea for you. You know, I worked at an agency, had a banking salary at an agency. After an agency, I worked for myself and now making that same salary. And then even in terms of like when I was in Columbus visiting friends, I was chatting with all the venture capitalists there, which is how I met the guys who I was telling you about at Drive Capital. And, you know, even articulating some type of opportunity to work with them 
in, in the capacity. So th- literally me never asking for an opportunity to get somewhere, mm-hmm. but literally through my actions, through my work, through my hard, hard effort and my creativity, people have really, it has sunk in that this is someone who I need to be connected with or this is someone who's made an impression on me and I want to make sure to bring them value. And that's, and that's really what your network is. If people in your network, I'm going to rephrase it. If you aren't bringing value to people in your network, mm-hmm. then your network is worthless. But if you're bringing value to a very core set of people in your network and you are continually bringing that, then your network is priceless and it's oxygen and you will really never be working on something by yourself. Man, I got to show you my rabbit head <laughs> so you can help me do some picks on some of these things that I've been scratching That's my head for true. a couple of no worries. <laughs> One thing I definitely got of, definitely, I didn't even think about it, is the connections you can give um, a diverse entrepreneur because that, sh- that shit is so integral as far as the growth. Like I, was mm-hmm. thinking, I think with um, the same story with um, Tristan Walker, I think he was in Ben Horowitz's office and yeah. Nas came by. Yep. He told me, he was like, yo, go pitch Nas. He went out and pitched Nas. Nas became one of the faces of Bevel and you saw how that, how that grew from there. And that just came from off an extension off of pretty much just like Nas is in the office. Now, for somebody to start a, a Clipper company, to get that one meeting with Nas... Without that connection, it's like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's crazy. Yo, it's gonna take t- how much of this shit is luck? Two, two things here, yo. I, I am so focused on this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing is action. Like, Tristan had so much action before that opportunity. Like, Absolutely. He reached out to Twitter and told them that X, Y, and Z, and then he had an opportunity to work out there. He reached out to Foursquare. And then eventually brought on 30 companies and became the head of business development. Mm-hmm. He got in t- tight with Ben Horowitz and things of that nature. Hard things about hard things. Gotta read that book Ben Horowitz wrote. It is amazing. And you'll see why he messes with Steve Stott and why he messes with Tristan and all these other, all these other cats. Yeah. So that's number one, action. And then action is the twin brother of experience, right? And so experience happens to be the best teacher, right? And so what all that means is that you're building up muscle memory. You're getting shots up. You're shooting in the gym. If you're not shooting in the gym, you are going to be building bricks. And they can say every no is closer to a yes. But if you're not uh, very particular and strategic about these no's that you're getting, then you will, you will not see a yes. Mm. So that's number one. Number two is preparation, which is basically action. Hmm. When preparation meets opportunity bro Mm -hmm. i'm telling you Mm -hmm. tristan was probably so ready Mm -hmm. for that opportunity to pitch nas he was like oh pitch nas i wish that pitch was recorded right (laughs) like you just tell me about yourself like yo i didn't miss a step i knew my 90 seconds there you go Mm. i knew my mind said i knew when to laugh i knew when to go high i knew when to go low i knew all those things because i had to tell that to people in 90 seconds where they don't give a care because mm-hmm. I'm a person of color, but I take that as an advantage. So first, like perception is everything, right? Perception is reality. And then uh, I will also say that 
first impression is everything. If I'm a person of color and I can't articulate what I do, mm-hmm. or I'm a woman, I couldn't articulate what I do in 90 seconds and blow you away, you don't care. Especially if you're not a person of color or a woman. Mm-hmm. So you have to be ready. You have to be ready to grab onto that. Absolutely. But the only way you can be ready for that is preparation. And when preparation meets opportunity, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. I'm telling you, man, that's when your network is priceless, right? Because mm-hmm. you've been giving value and you've been preparing. You've been having action. And then there's that one little opportunity. And then it's literally officer races something goes viral mm-hmm. xyz seems this and seems that like my my favorite story about that is like troy carter troy carter from cross love, culture love right carter, that is someone who i really admire from afar a guy who was just the person who will get your burger or whatever for guys like diddy and will mm-hmm. smith somehow moves up the ranks eventually finds lady gaga after she's been dropped from mad Sweet. labels Builds her into one of the most famous Global. phenoms. Mm-hmm. Yet, he gets fired. Why does he get fired? Because he's putting too much time into investing in startups. Mm. Fast forward again. He's like, all right, well, now I'm going to create all these like big labs, incubators, accelerators, mm-hmm. and, and just like build all this talent inside. Mm-hmm. I think what he realizes is that when you manage somebody like a Lady Gaga and they go somewhere else, you get no more ends. There's no more ends from that. Yeah. So he started thinking about that. So then I think he started, one, investing into startups where he can always get ends in mm-hmm. uh, results mm-hmm. and dividends and what have you. And then on, some, on the low, I heard that he was really someone who pushed all the things that Spotify is doing now. Wow. And Spotify, he was an investor in Spotify, and they uh, said, hey, you know, we like that idea, but we don't know anyone who can run it. Right. And they put him on. Right. So on now board. he's a creative creative content officer, chief creative officer. And that's a perfect example of what you were talking about earlier. You know that's I mean? that's a... I would love to eventually be in that place where mm-hmm. I'm a... Whatever. I ran my time in the, in the media industry. I did what I did. I became more successful in investing. And then eventually I really sink my teeth into one of my investments. Mm-hmm. And I get to run the show on an idea that I had inside of one of them and then mm. continually do it. There you go. I mean, he, Troy Carter's not going to be in Spotify forever. Mm-hmm. Question, um, my last couple of questions on the investment side. We, um, at Riverside, we have a business expo called The Reserve. Yes. And um, the entrepreneurs that'll come on, the people who have brands and businesses that'll come come more, sometimes it'll vary from, you know, somebody, a young lady who has a hand-poured candle line to a lipstick line mm-hmm. to a subscription service. Um, not all of these businesses solve problems, right? How do you view your investments? Does it always have to be a company that solves a problem or is it something that you feel like can work well in this particular industry? So I think this is another... This is another occurrence that we see in the companies that we look at that are focused on in the diverse founder realm. Two things here. One thing is there are some companies who are looking to fundraise mm-hmm. and they're talking to venture capitalists, but they're not a venture capital business. A venture capital business is growing exponentially every second. 
Hmm. Like you will go from making no revenue to five hundred thousand to three million Whoa. to ten million to twenty five million, and then you will keep doing all these things in terms of revenue and keep fundraising, and you keep fundraising at twelve to eighteen month clips in terms of like how long your business is sustainable. Because whenever a venture capital business that you invest in, you get their quarterly updates, it says how much runway we have. So we have. 12 months of runway, we have 18 months of runway. And when you get close to, to that runway being done, you raise more capital mm. because you need to expand your business at an exponential rate. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is that uh, it, there's uh, quite an amount of businesses that, don't, that are not going to grow that way. Mm. And so doing venture capital is not the route. And sometimes we have to articulate that to people oh, who come across okay. our desk. Right, right, In terms right. of small businesses and things of that nature, those are cash flow businesses, right? Where you're mm -hmm. giving dividends, where you're, um, it's maybe one or two locations, it's growing at a different rate, and you're expecting a different outcome in terms of maybe 12 to 15%, maybe 20%. In venture capital, you're focused on 20 to 50x. Because you invest in 25 companies. Say I have a $25 million fund. I invest in 10 to 15 companies. Uh, I would guess that seven of those companies work out. Two of those companies are 50x. Mm -hmm. in that. So seven, five of those companies return the fund once. Five of those companies make $25 million. Two of those companies make 50x mm, gotcha. or 20x. And that's what returns the fund to get me to 3x. Gotcha. And that's why venture capitalists are not necessarily focused on some of the businesses that are being put forward. Thus, why we want to really figure out an investment model to get people interested because the businesses that we are building may be a little different, but they can still be very, very lucrative right. and have an opportunity to put things forward. In terms of the small businesses, you were asking how to present them to investors or to... Yeah, um, but pretty much even a firm like your, yours, um, how would they present to you, or is this something that you would are you gonna automatically look if they if they solve a major problem, or are you gonna look at oh you know, major problem or if it's versus slow churn and slow growth, aka your business has been around for four years, mm -hmm. and your say you made two hundred thousand year one, you made two hundred and ten thousand year two, you made three hundred and fifty thousand. Or not three hundred, but like two hundred and fifty thousand a year. It's a slow grow building or um, slow grow company. Mm -hmm. So for us, we would connect you with individuals who are interested in investing in that way. But for in terms of Harlem Capital Partners, we're focused on companies that are growing somewhat rapidly. Doesn't even have to solve a big problem, but it's something that is scaling up gotcha. um, at a rapid pace. But in Harlem, we have invested in small businesses. We invested in Harlem Coffee Company, which is a coffee shop on 117 at Lenox. Check it out. Um, that is a small business. We also um, invested in another business. We haven't put that out yet, so I don't think I can say much about it. But another small bus business um, in the healthcare space um, in Harlem. And so we're, we are investing in small businesses, but the small business has to... Um, in terms of it has to be not necessarily solving a problem, but it has to have opportunity for growth. So, for example, the small business that we invested in, um, they weren't open on Saturdays. Um, they only had one person that was doing a majority of the work mm -hmm. and they were missing 60 to 70 percent of the calls that came in. 
So that business had a lot of opportunity to grow. Right, okay. And a lot of opportunity to uh, turn around. Gotcha. And so if it's a business like that that has some holes that can be poked into it and it can kind of just be turned around and we could help put it together, mm-hmm. um, then that could be something that's lucrative as well. Gotcha. Um, and we, we still invest in stuff that's outside. Some of the partners invest in stuff that's everyone's not investing. So, for example, real estate and other small business opportunities, some of the partners have invested in outside of uh, Harlem Capital Partners. Got it. Um, but but if in any rate, we want to do our best to at least articulate uh, what people can use for resources. And that's on our website, actually, on the news and research page. We have podcasts. We have recent articles. We have um, like PDFs and stuff like that for people to go and educate themselves. Like we always, um, uh, we ask this time with the podcast, we ask all our guests this, man, you are on Driven Mind. So mm-hmm. yeah, we ask our... I guess um, what drives you, um, you know, what gets you up in the morning, what keeps you going, you know, you, you change your industry, it's like it's nothing, you know what I mean? Switching lanes. Switching lanes, multifaceted. What drives you? Man, this is a really good question, but I think I did figure it out, and I think this is what drives most people. I think people are created for like one reason out of the spiritual focus people's whole purpose in life is to create ideas bring those ideas to fruition and then share that experience with people that they care about Hmm. right so when you hear passion project or you hear like these are just things i would do even if i wasn't paid Hmm. right that's what drives me right so what drives me is creating content and being able to have a lifestyle that focuses around that like i don't like to do work with people that feels like work i would like to do something that i would have done for free anyways so i started really focusing and fine-tuning my everyday content and just thought processes around people who were doing those things Mm -hmm. and so what drives me every day is to basically create ideas and to bring them to fruition. And if one day I were to sit back and look back at my life and I was able to say that I started to create an agency that was focused on production and social media and things of that nature, work with big brands, and that I was able to invest in the best diverse founders and help change uh, the face of entrepreneurship, then I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all... I need in that which drives me and that which wakes me up every day. Amazing. I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. Yeah. This was a Yo, great talk. Uh, thank you very much for coming out. Dude, pleasure. Talking to us and, and sharing this information. Just really Absolutely. quickly before you go, where can we find you on the social? So on the social, Wall Street Paper, W-A-L-L-S-T-R-E-E-T, S-T-R-T-E-E-T, Paper, P-A-P-E-R. That's on Instagram. That is on Twitter. That is on Snapchat. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Brandon Bryant. And then you have wallstreetpaper.co for my website. And then for Harlem Capital Partners, check us out. Harlem.capital. We just got that 
URL, and I think it's pretty fire. Nice. Um, <laughs> I ain't so, know that. I ain't wait, know. so it's just Harlem dot capital. capital. No yeah. dot, okay. <laughs> Next level. So, so yeah, that's it, and, and we and that's what we do. Sometimes we'll just put something in the Slack and be like, yo, should we grab Harlem dot capital? And we literally grabbed it within five minutes. There you mm. go. And so uh, you know, you gotta like people who are on your team who are flexible, who are innovative, um, and just like willing to try things out. Definitely. As we always say this time, <laughs> <laughs> I almost forgot. Uh, stay, stay driven. Stay y'all. driven, y'all. Stay driven, man.